So today uh, we're going to be in John chapter 12, and uh, we'll start in 12, and I'll kind of give you an overview of what's going on here. So uh, Palm Sunday represents um, when Christ was revealed to <coughs> to Jerusalem as the Savior um, in His ministry. He, uh, if you know, if you've read through the Gospels, I encourage you to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, it's amazing how you have uh, these followers of Christ, and they all have um, a different way of writing. Um, none of the Gospels contradict each other. Um, you just have some, you know how when, when you guys experience something, you, one of you might be more detailed than another person? Um, and so you really get to see the personalities of the writers of the Gospels here and how they experienced their life with Jesus. And so, um, but anyway, so uh, prior, to, prior to this, you know, Jesus would do a miracle and he would tell people, don't go tell anybody, you know. Uh, and, and the reason was is because there was a time for him to be revealed to the world as the Savior, a time to be revealed to uh, for his crucifixion, a time for, for this to happen because, you know, there was prophecy uh, pertaining to him. And, and, and also, Jesus only did what the Father uh, wanted him to. He, he absolutely uh, was obedient to God the Father. And so, there was there's a, 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 a place and time for all things that Christ did in his life. And so you had, you know, he was 33 years when he, before he was crucified, that's how his age was. And so for 30 years, he, you know, there was no ministry of him at all publicly whatsoever. Um, you know, we, we heard about him as a little boy with his parents once, and then, and then the, the scriptures were silent about that. And then three years of ministry, public ministry, and then we, we all built up to this scene uh, that's happening here. And so I want to give you kind of an, a, a snapshot of what's going on here at Palm Sunday as you have the, the Passover feast celebrated. And so you have the Jerusalem's just in a buzz in regards to celebration and what that's about. And, and so you have tons of people coming to this place. Um, and then Christ comes into uh, the, the, the city and, and he's riding on a donkey. And so we'll, we'll get into reading that as well. But I want to kind of share this with you too. These are some thoughts that came to mind this week pertaining to what went on during Christ's, uh, uh, when he came into Jerusalem, his, his, uh, his coming to, to this area. Uh, let me ask you this question. If you heard about the Savior, would you know him? If you saw Jesus, would you acknowledge him? And your, your answer might be with such confidence, sure I would. Yes, absolutely. But we'll read through here that people who actually followed Christ, and I mean followed him just to see what he did, they weren't genuine believers. So this text here, we see a lot of different people interacting with Christ as, as he comes uh, into Jerusalem here. Picking up in John chapter 12, verse 12, the next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So these people were here. Many people attended the feast of Passover already. However, uh, it, 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 you know, it's in question whether these folks, if they really were interested in Jesus as the Savior or just interested in what they heard about his miracles. So we see here that they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, and so they came. Uh, remember, Jesus uh, when he would do miracles, thousands of people would follow after him, right? Um, and so verse 13 says, this uh, so these people took branches of palm trees and, and went out to meet him and, and cried out, Hosanna, 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, King of Israel. And it's important for us to understand that word, uh, Hosanna. It, it means, it, the formal uh, uh, meaning of it, it means save us, please, okay? Um, so it was an exclamation of, of praise implying rulership. And so these people, they were, they were saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, uh, the, the King of Israel. And it's also important to understand that palm branches are a token of rest and peace after sorrow. And so I want you to picture what's happening. And maybe you've heard Palm Sunday sermons for 20 years of your life. But, you know, even, even though, you know, preaching it and reading it and growing up listening to this as a believer, still it's important for us to understand the intensity of what was going on here uh, publicly with when Jesus came into Jerusalem announcing who he, they announced who he was. And so there was also singing uh, for, from Psalm 118, you know, that, that's this Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is, this is from Psalm 118. Verse 14 and 15 says this, then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it as it is written, fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. So what is, why in the world did that happen? Well, Christ fulfilled what was prophesied about him in Zechariah. And Zechariah was written over 500 years prior to Christ's coming. So we see here Zechariah 9, verse 9 says this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the fowl of a donkey. And so I want to pose a question to you. If you knew the scriptures of Old Testament, because that's all they had at the time, and you grew up, in, you know, as a, as a, a young Jewish person, and, and, you, and, and this was read to you, and then Jesus came riding on a donkey after all of his public ministry, would you know? him? Or would you just be there because you were excited with the other people? Or would you just want to, you know, be there because you saw him do something great, you know? And, and this, I, I was thinking through these things, you know, it's like, why do we go to church? Why are we Christians? Why, why do we do these things? Why do churches do certain things? And, 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 and the reality is, is that the, the Bible points to Jesus and Jesus is the word of God. And, and for us to, to actively have a relationship with Jesus, we need to actively be receiving what the word of God is saying to us and not just looking for some sort of emotional upheaval because we saw something great happen. I don't know about you, but I want God to touch my life through his word. I want to be transformed by the truth of God's word in my life. And a lot of times, you know, we go and, we, and we, I love this. God made us to be experiential people. That's why I love boats. That's why I love motorcycles, anything with engines. If it's loud, I want to do it. You know, it's like, I love experiencing things. But then do I take the same passions to the word of God? Or do I want to just have my ears and my emotions tickled? You know? And so that was happening here, believe it or not. People, my mic is bothering me. People in the, in the first section here in, in John 12 and all the other gospels, they talked about these people coming, this multitude, they came because they heard of Jesus. And yet Jesus literally fulfilled every single prophecy ever spoken about him. Isaiah was 700 years prior to Jesus. Every prophecy about him that Isaiah wrote about, all fulfilled by him, everything. So verse 16, continuing on in, in John 12, his disciples, now listen, his disciples did not understand these things at first. So in other words, when he came on the donkey and, 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 and you know, uh, then Jesus, when he had found the young donkey, sat on it as it's written, fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey, a colt. 
Um, his disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. So, um, in John chapter 14, verse 26, Christ speaking about the Holy Spirit working in a believer's life. This is what Christ said, but the helper being Jesus, parakletos is that word, uh, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name. In other words, as a believer, the Father has sent the Holy Spirit to the believers. We're not left alone, okay? He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So we're not left in the dark to not have understanding. Christ himself has, through the Father, through the Holy Spirit, has given us the ability to understand God's will in our life through the Word of God. You have to remember, it comes from the Word of God. If you go to church or you go to different places or people are talking about the Lord, whether you're in public or wherever it might be, and it doesn't line up with Scripture, then it's not truthful, and the Holy Spirit's not going to give somebody something that doesn't have to do with the Word of God because God's not a liar, and they're not going to contradict each other. And so even in this statement here, and John puts this piece here in verse 16, we don't read that in the other gospels. So again, that has to do with how you have these men who walked with Jesus, and they all had a different kind of view, but the same thing happening, okay? It doesn't, uh, it, it's not contradictive. It doesn't discount the validity of anything. It's just, you know, this was what John wrote in, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It, it's not there. Um, but the fact of him riling donkey was and stuff. So, uh, when Christ uh, ascended and uh, you know to heaven, um, the Holy Spirit was uh, given to them at the day of Pentecost, and so all these things came to remembrance to them. The Lord blessed them and with understanding of what had gone on, who He was, and see, the 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 issue is never. Okay, so Jesus rode on a donkey because Zachariah said it. No, the issue is that Jesus literally is the Savior, the Messiah that was promised through the Old Testament prophets, okay? That's the understanding. We always have to know that. Is Jesus who he said he was? Okay, that's the question here. Like I said in the beginning, if you've heard about the Savior, would you know him? If you saw Jesus, would you acknowledge him? And we're going to get into this scripture where people didn't. They chose not to know him. Verse 17 of John 12, therefore the people who were with him when he called, now listen, it, 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 John gives an account that there's people who were there when he called Lazarus from the tomb, that they also were there this day when Christ is coming on the donkey. So therefore the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of his tomb and raised him from the dead bore witness. In other words, they bore witness saying, okay, we saw this. For this reason, the people also met him because they heard that he had done this sign. People showed up because they heard of the great miracles Christ had done. This does not mean that they genuinely desired to have faith in Jesus, okay? That's a reality in human beings' life. We, we get excited about things. You know, that's why people pay money to go to theme parks. You know what I mean? They get excited about stuff. But that doesn't necessarily mean that in this context that that. that these people, they got excited. I'd be excited if I saw Jesus raise somebody from the dead. Are you kidding me? That'd be amazing if I witnessed that. And these same people, this is why they knew who Jesus, they see, they saw the things that he had done. But the Lord knows the intense, the intentions of our heart, you know? And so it doesn't necessarily, just because they were there, doesn't necessarily mean that they uh, were genuinely interested or desired to have faith in Jesus Christ. And this should convict us. Like, do I have genuine desire to have faith in Christ? Is that what my life revolves around? Or is it just in a concept? Or am I just excited about things? You know, the newness wears off of everything. <laughs> Trust me. Um, our Suburban that we bought three years ago, the newness is worn off. 
you know. And uh, that was a blessing even in itself, finding something used that fit my family like that. The newness wears off. You know, we have to make sure that, Lord, am I really, is my intentions and my heart towards you right? We should always be asking these things. And He's so faithful to meet us in those areas of our lives where man fails and where we fail, you know. Verse 19 So now we see the Pharisees. So you see how these different groups of people that are there. So the Pharisees therefore said among themselves, you see, and this is them conferring with themselves, you see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. And it's important for you to understand that the Pharisees were religious leaders. They had had control over the religious system. They had money that came to them involved with that. They controlled the temple. And when Jesus came, it messed their whole game up. Okay, because the focus came off of them. Um, it's very important. The focus always needs to be on Jesus, not the pastor, not the ministry, not what happens at the church. All the things that happen in this church here, we want it to be focused on Jesus, just like the movie nights. Yeah, it's going to be great going and doing a movie night in a park. Some of you weren't here. We're, we're trying to do our movie nights in Oliverhurst Park here. It'll be great to have food vendors, and we're not doing that so that metanoia looks good. We want Jesus to look good, but we're fishing, right? When you fish for something, do you use, some fish like ugly lures, but majority of them don't. But you use a lure, right? You use something to attract people. And so a lot of people, they're not attracted to church. They think church is a bad place. They think preachers are selfish and, and, and two-faced and all the different hurts they've had, and they view it as that. And it's like, we want people to be able to come and see Jesus in the, 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 in the Word of God here, and we don't want it just to be, you know, something that people come and, and, and don't experience the Lord. And I don't know why I went off on a tangent, sorry. So verse 19, back to the Pharisees. So therefore, said, they said among themselves, you see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the, the world has gone after him. So they were upset that he, they saw these people going after him. So In Luke's gospel, I want to read to you the account that Luke uh, wrote about pertaining to Christ here. And so Luke 19, 39, verse 40. So this is uh, the Pharisees' interaction with Christ and his group at the time in Luke in the same timeline of what we're reading in John. So Luke 19, 39 through 40 says this, and some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, teacher, rebuke your disciples. But Jesus answered and said to them, I tell you that if these shouldn't keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. So the, it, it, all of the creation, okay, was waiting for the Savior. That's why when Jesus' birth, right? What happened when Jesus was born, right? Angels, right? Right? All of, all of creation was like, the Savior of the world is here. So Jesus is saying, look, if these people aren't praising me, which was the Psalm 118, then even if they were silent, then the stones themselves would speak. They would immediately cry out about who I am. All of creation speaks of a creator. You look at the stars, and you, and you, you can't tell me, if you go out and look at the stars and go, you know what, those are just, eh, I don't know. You go out in the mountains and you look at the stars, and Lord willing, your breath goes, oh, wow, God's amazing. He's in control of all things. Um, also, one thing that's interesting, too, about John's gospel here in, in, in this section, in verse 20, we start, <clears throat> and Jesus speaks of this account 
to these Greek Gentiles. And so picking up verse 20, now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Again, so now another group of people. So you have all these people coming. <clears throat> the Greeks were Gentiles who most likely, these, these Greeks specifically were Gentiles who most likely had converted to Judaism. Uh, the fact that they came up to worship at the feast is a good indication that they no longer practiced their ancestors' religion. Verse 21, then these Greeks came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And Philip, excuse me, came to and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. So um, it's important to know this too, that no one who ever genuinely seeks out Jesus is denied by him, okay? No one. Christ, God wills no one to perish, all to come to repentance through him. He, he, he paints a picture of plainly that he is the savior of the world. The Holy Spirit works on those who are believers and non-believers, and the Lord draws people to him and gives us a choice to make. And so even these Greek Gentiles, they, they, they weren't looking for a sign. They were looking for the savior, and we need to do the same thing in our lives. And as we go before the Lord, man, we need to genuinely seek out Jesus. <clears throat> now, these Greeks, you know, they, like I said, they didn't ask for a sign or anything. They asked to see Jesus Christ in person. Verse 23, but Jesus answered them saying, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. When Christ spoke of this, it's of his crucifixion and how the outcome of that would glorify him, okay? Verse 24, most, most assuredly, and this is Jesus speaking, most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, I'm sorry, and falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls in the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Is that, did I, hold on a second, I gotta look that up. Okay, thank you. <clears throat> so Jesus speaking of a kernel of wheat and referring to himself, how unless he died, he would be alone in heaven. Do you know that? Unless Jesus Christ died on the cross, he, we wouldn't be there. He's speaking of the, the reality of, of his crucifixion. <clears throat> when Christ died, he gave you and I access to heaven to spend eternity with him. Isn't that amazing? Like, to spend eternity, no more crying, no more hurt, no more pain, no more brokenness. All tears wiped away, Scripture says about that. We'll be in a glorious place with Christ Himself. We'll see Him face to face. There'll be no sun or moon because His glory will actually light heaven. I mean, it's a phenomenal place. The, 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 you go to Revelation and read about it. The, 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 the ground is pure gold as glass. Some people, oh, it's metaphorical. Well, you know what? Who are we to be able to decipher what that meant? This is John's revelation that God had him write down. And you know what? I, praise the Lord that there's going to be gold on the ground and it's going to be pure. Heaven's amazing. I have one friend of mine, he's like, well, what am I going to do in heaven? Just hang around and just watch angels play harps? No. <laughs> All of us have this need inside of us that God created in us to be in communion and connected with God. And we will be fully fulfilled when we're in heaven. There's something missing in us. Even as Christians, there's a piece of us missing still. That's why we yearn for heaven. There's something inside of us that, that yearns for that. It's not something that we made up ourselves. 
It's something that God puts in all of us as believers. And those that don't know him, the Lord puts a reason. Hey, I got, I, I, I'm interested in the Lord. I'm interested in Jesus. Why? You know, we, we have issues in our life and things happen and, and it causes us to, to start looking at the things of the Lord. God's cool like that. He understands the puzzle pieces of our lives greater than we do. It's amazing how he loves us. It's really amazing. Verse 25, he who loves his life will lose it. So Jesus now talks about our lives. He who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. There's a really heavy statement here. And this goes back to that question. If you heard about Jesus, would you know him? If you saw him, you know, would you follow him? So he who loves his life will lose it. There are those in this life that live for themselves, 100%, live for themselves. Their life revolves around themselves. Our societies revolve around itself. Social media is, marketing is, you know, cars. We, you know, when you go to buy something, hey, couldn't you see yourself in this? You know, it appeals to our self-interest. But in the economy of the Lord, in the economy of God, Christ Jesus, that doesn't need to be there at all. We're to die to ourselves. So Christ's saying that if you, if you love, <clears throat> he who loves this life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. It's a very heavy statement. People that live for themselves, their comfort and all they can gain for themselves, they live for self. They live for themselves. Those that genuinely have a relationship with Christ, the things of heaven, eternity, and eternity becomes greater and more important than the things of this world. You see somebody who has a real relationship with Jesus and all of a sudden they start changing things in their life. They start changing relationships. They start changing habits. They, and, they, and they start working in that process and praise the Lord that he gets in that dirt with us and he works those things out in our life. But there's a genuine expression that comes out of a person's life and you start seeing things happen and, they, and, 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 and there's this dying that has to happen to ourselves. It needs to be the standard of our life. It really does. When we die to ourselves, we experience true living life from Jesus. It's just, the, it, it, it's just how it works. And so Jesus is making this very profound statement. Verse 26, if anyone serves me, listen to this, you guys. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Do you see what's happening there? If anyone serves me, if anyone serves Jesus, then let him follow him. And where did Jesus go? To the cross. He gave his life up for God, the Father's will in his life so that he could be our savior. That's the standard. All right, Lord, am I dying to myself in my relationship? Am I dying to myself in my marriage? Am I dying to myself in my job? Am I dying to myself in ministry? Am I dying to myself in my actions and intentions? Probably 80% of the time it's like, no, I need your help, Lord. Do you see what this does? This, this funnels us into a point of needing to be, re- of being dependent upon Jesus. His standard is so different than what we're taught in our childhood and our, our, our schools and what's in the world. It's amazing what the Lord wants to do with our lives. So if you say you serve Jesus Christ, follow him. <clears throat> Where he is, there his servants will be. Follow the Lord. 
Believer's Bible Commentary says this, service now will receive God's approval in the coming day, in other words, in heaven. Whatever one suffers of shame or reproach here will be a small, it will be small indeed compared to the glory of being publicly commended by the Father God in heaven. This is a public thing that happens in heaven. How? I don't understand any of that, but God's Word says that this is what happens in a believer's life who serves the Lord with all of their, with their life. Now, you don't go around going, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this so God is going to give me great crowns. You know, that's not reality. That's, that's pride, you know. That's not what it's saying here. Verse 27, now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? So this is Christ saying, my soul's troubled. What shall I say? And he continues, says, Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. So Christ is thinking of the cross now and all its horrific pain and shame and gore. He knew what was going to happen to him. This was his purpose. If you've never seen the movie Passion of the Christ, go see it. It's one of the most realist accounts of of what happened to Christ as our history can be able to gather about Roman crucifixion. It was horrific. Most people died before they even got to the cross because of the scourging. Verse 28, Jesus continues, he says, now he's talking to his, his father. He says, Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. So, you know, should, should Christ you know, pray for himself to be saved. That's not what was happening here. Um, he asked that the Father would be glorified. And then verse 29, therefore the people who stood by and heard it said, they heard a thunder or others said an angel has spoken to him. Uh, and so the people didn't even know that God had spoken. They passed it off as thunder, some sort of angel. And, and it's interesting how when the gospel is shared with people for years, sometimes they never recognize it for what it is until the Holy Spirit gives them understanding. Verse 30, Jesus answered, speaking to them, this voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. So Jesus didn't need to hear the voice. He didn't need to hear this audible voice for himself. It wasn't needed for him. It was for the sake of those around him. Then we see in verse 31 through 33, now is the judgment of the world. He's continuing to speak. Jesus is saying, now is the judgment of the world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. This he said, signifying by what death he would die. So Christ's crucifixion is the judgment of the world and the defeat of Satan. Satan is still roaming about this world looking for whom he might devour, but his doom and destruction has already been settled. He is defeated. Those who are Christians, we're on the winning team. If you don't know the Lord, get on the winning team. Satan's defeated. So we see here also nailed to a cross and lifted from the earth. That's what he was speaking of there. His death on the cross is the catalyst that draws all mankind to him. However, everyone will not choose Christ. This is interesting what the people had mentioned to Jesus. Here's their response to him. We have heard from the law that Christ remains forever. And how can you say the son of man must be lifted up? Who is the son of man? Do you get what's happening here? They're dialoguing with him. And I don't know necessarily if this is the Greek still, but these people are dialoguing with him and they're questioning him pertaining to what he's saying. So obviously they don't believe that he is the son of man because they're questioning him of who he is. Jesus, he said, I am lifted up. He didn't say, not the son of man be lifted up. 
And Jesus referred to himself many times to people that he was the Son of Man. So they had all the evidence to know that Jesus is the Son of Man, is the Messiah. The evidence had already been presented to him. And it's just like in our lives and lives of our friends, and we, the Lord presents who he is to us. And man, we just, we either chalk it up as like something different than what God's really speaking to us. It's important that we pray, Lord, please tell me who you really are. You know, it's when you're sharing Christ with, I share Christ with people sometimes, share Jesus with people sometimes and they don't get it or whatever. And hey man, you know what? When you lay down at night, I learned this from my dad, you know? I I would pray that they would have some sort of experience from the Lord in their sleep, that God would wake them up, you know? It's important that, that, that people come to an understanding of the truth of who Jesus is and what he offers in them what he offers in their, in, their, in their life. So these people, they, they were questioning him, you know. Verse 35, 36, and Jesus said to them, so here's his answer, a little while longer and the light is with you. Walk while you have the light. See, Jesus didn't get into trying to explain to them their question. He actually spoke to them of who he is and what they needed to do while he was still there. Walk while you're in the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. Pretty simple, right? While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. These things Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. So Jesus referring to himself as the light. There's a timeline here of opportunity to receive Christ, okay? In our lives, there's a timeline to receive Jesus. And the end of that timeline is when you die, when we pass away. You know, all of us are gonna pass away one day. And if, if you don't know the Lord, now is the time for salvation. Today is the day of salvation. You may not get tomorrow. I may not get tomorrow. You know, we don't have tomorrow. Can't, oh, I'll put that off. Kind of like when I was laying in bed and something crashed in my backyard. I was like, eh, I don't know if I really want to deal with that. It's the same kind of thing here. There's, a, there's like this, there's a, there's a, a, there should be a quickening. And so Jesus is saying, look, you know, the light's going to go away. And it's almost like, you know, the same concept of, you know, the sun rises and it peaks, and then it sets, and it's not there anymore, right? We see that every day. So Jesus was going to be gone. He was, the, the crucifixion was going to happen. He wasn't going to be there, but this is literally talking about our spiritual life, and when we come to know the Lord or give opportunity for Christ in our life, that we're not, it's not guaranteed forever. People don't come to know the Lord after they pass away, relationship with God doesn't happen after they pass away. It's fine. It's final. It's a final thing. It, it, and I'm not trying to, you know, make it gloss over that. It's just a reality, you know? So spiritually, the one who believes on the Lord Jesus is the one who walks in the light. The one who rejects him walks in darkness and does not know where he is going. Okay. He lacks divine guidance and stumbles through life. People who don't know the Lord, they're like, oh yeah, you know, they, they, they don't have, they don't know that they're going to be living in eternity one day separated from God. They don't know that. They, they, they walk in blindness. They don't, that's not in their, in the, spiritually, they're not spiritually awake when it comes to those things. It takes a relationship with Jesus, a power of the Holy Spirit to transform our lives and put this into us, the truth that we, we, we need to be in heaven with Christ. 
Verse 37, but all, although he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him. So again, remember what I said, if you, knew, if you saw Jesus, would you know him? John says the same thing. It's really fascinating, you know, but all though he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him. And how many people in this world, man, there's people that go to church. There's people that give money to church. There's people that have probably helped build million-dollar buildings at churches. There's people that serve at church. There's people that do great outreaches at church when, you know, uh, they go out and do things in the community. And you know what? They may, they may stand before them one day, and God's going to say, I don't even know you. Same thing with these people, you know. Verse 38, that the word of Isaiah, listen, the word of Isaiah, the prophet, might be fulfilled. So this is something, this was written 700 years prior to Christ that might be fulfilled, which he spoke. And this, uh, John's referencing to what Isaiah spoke. Lord, who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Isaiah 53, go read that. It's an amazing, amazing, amazing scripture pertaining to Christ's life, what he looked like. Okay, he's not Fabio on all these paintings we have of him. Um, it talks about his crucifixion. Um, you know that Jesus was just like you and I. You know, there was nothing. It's in Isaiah 53, it says there's nothing about his appearance that would cause us to be drawn to him. It's amazing. But, but, but the beginning of Isaiah 53, it's the first verse, Lord, who has believed our report? In other words, nobody, nobody believed what we said about Jesus and whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? In other words, who's really actually seeing him? It's a, it's a, it's a statement of no one's listening. No one listened. Israel's paying the price today because of their disobedience and disbelief of Christ when he came. That was prophesied as well about that. Verse 39, therefore they could not believe because Isaiah said again, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. Now, their eyes weren't blinded because of God's unwillingness, okay? Their eyes were blinded because they decided to not believe. It's very interesting. That's Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. So verse 41 and John, I know I'm skipping around with some verses here. Verse 41 of John 12, these things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke of him. So this John's saying that these things that Isaiah said had to do with when Isaiah um, <clears throat> was enveloped in God's glory and God had spoken specifically to Isaiah to write these things out about Jesus 700 years prior. I love that. God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, they're all one. They all speak about the same things. They will never contradict each other whatsoever. Verse 42, John continues to write, Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. Isn't that how it is in our life sometimes? Living for the acceptance of people and not God. Super important, man. These people, they believed, they wanted to have an outward expression, but the Pharisees, but, but they didn't confess it because they were afraid that they would be kicked out of the synagogue. You're going to lose your place in church if you start believing in Jesus. Oh, okay, I'm not going to do that. Verse 44, then Jesus cried out and said, he who believes in me believes not in me. Sorry, 
can't read without glasses. He who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. So Jesus taught once again his absolute union with God the Father, okay? If you look at this verse here, then Jesus cried out and said, he who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. There's, there's just this, this verse literally speaks of who, that Jesus is God, okay? Their union is absolute. To believe in Jesus Christ is to believe in God the Father. You cannot believe in, the, in, in God the Father unless you give equal honor to Jesus Christ, his son, okay? Verse 45 says, and he who sees me sees him who sent me. In other words, if you saw Jesus physically, you saw all the attributes of God the Father. Jesus Christ had revealed the character of God the Father to mankind. Therefore, whoever has seen Jesus has seen God the Father. I've come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. So apart from Christ, people are in darkness. Verse 47, and if anyone hears my words and does not, and does not believe, I do not judge him, for I do not come to judge the world, but to save the world. And this verse can be a little confusing. Um, you have to remember when you read Scripture, you have to take into account um, the who, what, when, where, and why. The person, place, the account, the timeline of what's happening here. Christ is coming into Jerusalem. This is, this is the Sunday this is the Sunday prior to his crucifixion. The cross is before him. He knows he's going to be crucified. This is the whole process of what's happening here is, is he's coming in to, to Jerusalem and he knows that he's going to be crucified. And so what he's speaking of in verse 47 is that when he died on the cross, it was not his judgment on the world. Christ will return one day. Go read Revelation chapter 19. I'll read that in a second. He's going to return as a warring king, Okay and ruling with a rod of iron. When Jesus was on the earth walking in these 33 years, he was full of grace, mercy, and truth. He was there to present the love and grace of God to mankind. And the word of God through the Holy Spirit and the power of God allowed people to write this. This isn't man's opinion. This is the literal word of God, okay? It's God-breathed, okay? Men who were controlled by God, okay, wrote this. The validity of the Bible, if you do a historical comparison of historical books that we use in schools and you do a historical comparison of the validity of the Bible, the Bible is the most valid document we have on earth. It literally is. And so don't ever discount what the Word of God is, okay? And so Jesus is saying here in, 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 in verse 47, you know, um, the, the purpose of Christ first coming to earth or the first advent was not as judge, but as savior. It's really important to understand that. Okay, and, and if you go and you read Zechariah 9 and 10, um, Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9 and 10, verse 9, like what I had read, speaks about Christ coming on the donkey, right? And so that's him coming as the lowly servant. And then, and then in Zechariah 9, uh, 10, it's, it speaks of him coming in his second coming. And in between verse 9 and 10 is where we're living right now on the earth. And it's an era of God's grace to mankind so that people would come to know Jesus. That's what's happening right now on the earth. 
And if you see what's going on in Ukraine and you see what's going on in Russia and in our, in, in, in our financial system and everything, there's so much worldly turmoil right now. There's so much things happening right now that have never happened in our lifetime that actually are, full, are, are, are moving forward to the fulfillment of Scripture pertaining to Christ coming soon. Okay? Do you know Him? Are you ready to see Jesus face to face? That's a question we all have to ask. Are you ready? We need to be ready. People weren't ready even after they saw all the miracles and all the things Jesus did and all this stuff. And, 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 you, and you read this account and you're like, wow, there's all these different people that were there, the Pharisees, the Greeks, the, the, the people who saw Lazarus raised from the dead and all these different people experienced the miracles of God literally before their eyes and they denied that Jesus was the Savior. Wow. It should show us the propensity of mankind to tell God, I don't care, I don't want to be a part of you. A lot of times in our life, we, we draw a sand. Lord, I'm not crossing that. Don't harden your hearts to the Lord, okay? When our hearts are hardened to the movement of God, man, it's just not a good thing. It's really not. We need to have our hearts stay soft and moldable by the Lord. All of us do. You know, we don't want to be like these people that were like, oh, you know, I, I, I'd be kicked out of the synagogue or whatever it might be in your life, you know? Live wholeheartedly for the Lord. And if you don't know what that means, I don't know what that means half of my time and my days, you know? Lord, what does that look like in my life? No one has, you know, all of this figured out on all reality. Yeah, you know, I, I study the Word of God to be able to show myself approved, rightly dividing it and sharing it with you guys, hopefully appropriately, but I don't understand everything in here. I, I need to rely on the Lord every moment of my life, my thinking, my prayers, you know? God, help. You guys need to do the same thing, you know? Rely on the Lord. Make Him the most important thing in your life, and watch other stuff come together, you know? Like yesterday, we had all this bark, right? 12 cubic yards of bark, and everybody who showed up goes, I don't think we have enough. And I don't know. We don't, we're not bark people. We're not like yard people. You know, Chris measured it out, and, you know, he was faithful to measure out the yards, and he was like, he first measured it out to be like six inches thick, and that would have been like $1,200 for, you know, ground up trees. I'm like, I don't think the church should pay 1200 bucks for that. So we split it in half, you know, and it, it was less than that. And so, um, you know, we prayed. I'm not saying that my prayers did anything, but Keevan, he was like, Brian, you prayed for like it to be multiplied, and like it, we had barrels kept coming out to the backyard, you know, Jake was helping you move it, and, and I was like, how many more wheelbarrows, you guys? Like, oh, about five, ten wheelbarrows later, you know? So don't ever underestimate how God might move in your life. If He can take uneducated people pertaining to yard services by bark, and it, it be extended to a way that it actually is going to work well in the playgrounds, he can, if He can do that with bark, how much more can He do that for us? And He loves us even more than bark, you know? He loves you guys so much, and He wants to take care of you. <clears throat> Verse 48, He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. So those who reject the word of God will stand condemned in the last day at the day of judgment. God's going to hold all people accountable. I really believe that everybody on the earth is going to hear about Jesus. Some will know Him, some will choose not to know Him. Um, and so there, all of us will be held accountable to the Word of God. All of us will. We'll stand before Him one day. 
verse 49, 50, and then we'll close. For I have not spoken on my own authority, this is Jesus speaking, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. So Christ was given by the Father what to say, and he spoke those things. So the, 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 uh, the word there where it says what I should say, it means that he was given the understanding of those things. And then when it says what I should speak, that's the action of him speaking what God had given him to say. So Christ was 100% in line with God. Verse 50, and I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. So Jesus Christ knew he was commissioned by God to give everlasting life to any and all who will believe. So that's Jesus' purpose. That's the purpose of the gospel, the salvation of mankind. That's why he died on the cross for our sins. And so when these people saw him coming on the donkey and scripture being fulfilled and everything, there were still people that their hearts were hardened. Revelation 19, verse 11 through 16 says this, and I, I put it at the end. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to read this or not, but I'm going to read it. I think it's important. <clears throat> and uh, now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. See, this is what Christ is going to be doing when he comes back the second time. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and, his, and, his head were, were many, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Verse 15 of Revelation 19. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he, has, and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. There is no one higher than Jesus on earth. He has absolute authority, and he will come back one day, and he will take care of every people, every person that disagrees with it, his word. There's a, there's a great thing that's happening when Christ comes back, man. And I, I encourage you to take a look at what's happening in the world and, 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 and read your Bible, please, okay? Um, the Bible is a map in our life and where we're going as Christians. And even those who don't know the Lord, man, read the Bible, May the Lord open your eyes to the truth of who He is, not what I say. Like I said, I don't know everything, and I'll never claim to, but I do know Jesus. I know He's real. I know that He's coming back again, and there's a lot in this section of Revelation. We, that's a whole other study just trying to pull apart what all of this means here, but the reality is, is that Christ is coming back to rule as a warring king, and when He came His first Advent, coming into the, to, to be known in Jerusalem, He was, he was lowly on a colt, a servant, Going, knowing that he was going to be crucified and, and his blood be shed for you and I. And so what an opportunity we have while we're here alive on this earth to experience the grace of Christ in our life. And a, man, share the truth of Jesus with your friends. And maybe you're afraid to do that or you don't know how to do that. 
ask God for opportunity. You know, we go out and hand flyers out for our after-school program. We do an after-school program here Tuesdays and, and Thursdays, you know, for elementary. And, and you know, I, I have a background in sales, outside sales, so I'm used to talking to people. You know, that's easy for me. But there's folks that go out and they don't, they don't do that. You know, it's just not their thing. You know, I, that's not my thing, you know. Well, we go out together, you know, and we hand flyers out to people. And you never know what God might want to do with you. Just take a step of faith and see what he wants to do. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word, for your grace and your mercy. And just ask, Lord, that you would just pour your spirit uh, upon our lives, that you would take uh, your word and that it would just stick, Lord. I pray that uh, the birds of the air would not come to the field of our heart, Lord, and pluck the seeds out that you've planted, Lord. I pray that you would help us to know what it means to water them through the washing of prayer and through the word of God and through fellowship with others. Lord, that we would grow, Lord, in you in a great way. Lord, I pray that none of us, Lord, would be the people that have showed up, Lord, on the scene hearing about you, but yet having our hearts hardened to the truth of who you are as the Messiah. Thank you, Lord, that you're coming one day. And I pray, Lord, that that reality would just become true to us and that uh, we would uh, it, it would put a seriousness in us about our spiritual life, Lord, about our walk with you, uh, about our stance with God. Just thank you so much and give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.